From Teacher Magazine, I'm Rebecca Vukovic, and you're listening to an episode of The Research Files. Which is more creative, the arts or the sciences? My guest, Professor David Cropley from the University of South Australia, joins me today to discuss this question and to delve into his research into whether any specific differences exist between creativity in the arts and creativity in STEM. David is an internationally recognised expert on creativity and innovation. He's appeared on several television programs on the ABC, including Redesign My Brain and Life at Nine. The study we're focusing on today was co-authored by Kim van Broekhoven and Peter Seegers from Maastricht University in the Netherlands. The study surveyed over 2,000 German undergraduate students enrolled in STEM courses and in arts courses to explore how creativity differed across the disciplines. In this episode, David takes me through how they conducted the study, some of the key findings, and the practical implications of this research for educators working in the K-12 space. Let's get started. Professor David Cropley, thanks for joining Teacher Magazine. Hi, uh, Rebecca. It's great to be with you this morning. Let's begin by talking about your research that explores the nature of creativity and whether differences exist between creativity in the sciences and creativity in the arts. Who was involved in this study? Well, this particular study was a very large sample of German university students. Uh, they were primarily students in the STEM disciplines, but also with a, with a sort of subset of arts students. So, so university students from Germany, mainly STEM, but also some arts students. Okay. How did you go about conducting the study? Uh, well, it, it's quite interesting. Uh, the two co-authors in the study, uh, Kim and Philip, are both graduate students at Maastricht University in Holland. And uh, Philip, in particular, also works for an organization in Germany that regularly collects data from university students about all sorts of things like you know, job experiences and, and various other aspects of their studies. But from time to time, uh, when they do this, they can also insert other questions when they do these rounds of data collection. And so they were able to organize, Kim and, and Philip were able to organize doing a, a block of questions about creativity. So it sort of opened up an opportunity for us and, and with a very large sample of students. Yeah. And what was the motivation for asking these questions and conducting the research in the first place? Well, there is a very long-standing debate in creativity research uh, about whether it's, they use the terms domain general or domain specific. So basically, is creativity something that is different in every discipline or every area of activity, or are there things that are common across the board, or, or is it some mix of those things? And of course, that's where it becomes uh, very important for, for schools and for education, because if creativity is basically subject specific, then that will affect how we teach it. 
on the other hand, if, do, if creativity is domain general, if it's kind of general across the board, then that will also have an influence on the way it's taught. And if it's some kind of interesting mix of the two, again, we need to understand that if we're going to build this thing we call creativity into primary, secondary and tertiary education. Yeah. And so then what were some of the key findings to come from the study? Well, I think there's at least a couple of things. One, the very important one was not that, you know, we didn't discover that it was general or specific, but this particular study confirmed the what I would say is the, the general view in creativity that some things are specific to subjects and to areas and some things are general. So in, in this particular study, we basically confirmed that the way we think when we're engaging in creativity seems to be largely a general skill, if you like, and also the personal qualities that that help a person to be creative, you know, whether they're open to new ideas or whether they're willing to take risks, those things are also general in nature. Uh, but we also found that the way people view creativity like the way you if you look at a, a an artifact or a product and and what makes you decide whether or not that's creative that that is more subject specific or domain specific so so we found this this kind of confirming what we think we already knew which is that it's a mixture of some things are specific and some things are general yeah and so we've spoken about why you did the research and you've just covered some of the key findings there. But I'm wondering, in what ways does this study contribute to the body of research that already exists in the area of creativity? Yeah, well, as I said, I think basically it's it's really confirming uh, what a lot of other research has already shown, but with two important differences or two important sort of added features and I think the first of those is that this was a very large study. So we had in excess of, of 2,000 participants. Um, and that's important because the larger the study, the more we can begin to generalize the results from that group that we studied to, to the wider community. So compared to a lot of creativity studies, this one was very large, which makes it more generalizable. And uh, also the other kind of interesting feature about this was the focus on STEM. So a lot of creativity research, you know, we often see you know, kind of general samples of people. So just school kids in general or students at university or, or just people in general. And the, the ability here to really focus primarily on uh, people studying STEM also made it kind of unique. So, so it confirmed a lot of what we already knew, but it confirmed it in a particularly interesting sample. Yeah. And as you mentioned there, this particular study focused on undergraduate students at university. But our focus here at Teacher Magazine is on teachers and school leaders in K-12. to What are some of the practical implications of this research for those teachers working in the K-12 to space? It's, uh, I think, where it's very important and interesting for, for school teachers and, and leaders in the K-12 to space is that it builds up this picture of the progression of creativity from, from reception or kindergarten right through to, to university. And what I think it really helps us to see, and, and this will influence how we respond to creativity in education, is that well, we, we kind of move from creativity being quite general for, for younger children, because of course they're not yet specializing in anything, 
then as they move through high school, they begin to specialize in, in subjects and, and particular areas. And as they move on to university, that specialization continues. And, and so education is moving from across a continuum from general to specific. And the more we know about creativity in similar terms of what's general and what's specific, puts us in a better position to really understand how to create a kind of unified approach to creativity across all levels of education so that we're not just kind of flying blind and saying, well, let's teach them a bit of this and that and hope that it works. This, this research is helping to contribute to creating a very kind of holistic and, and unified approach to creativity across education. And I think also helps teachers to understand further what it is that we're trying to do with creativity and, and how we need to respond to that in the education system. Yeah, and David, I'd like to pick up on that, that holistic approach. I'm wondering, what does a holistic approach actually look like in the classroom? Well, it's, it's also a very important question. And in very simple terms, you know, I, I like to think it means it's not piecemeal. It means that, you know, I, I sometimes use kind of simple examples like um, we're not going to teach children to be creative in, in, a, in a broad sense of being problem solvers and dealing with uncertainty and so on if we treat creativity as something that you do 40 minutes of, you know, every second Friday at the end of the school week. Uh, we've got to take this sort of integrated holistic approach um, and, and understand that that creativity has to be embedded across the curriculum. So it's, it's not a separate subject in its own right. It's something that has to be sort of sprinkled across every other subject. And, and that's important in terms of creating this holistic approach, understanding that creativity is something, it's an enabler of other subjects and it has to be embedded in, in all those other subjects. And then the, the more that we understand that when you're doing that in primary school, it, it has a certain sort of characteristic that's more general but as we move into to high school that we have to really understand how do we embed creativity in physics classes and how do we embed it in drama or music and there are some commonalities but also what are the subtle differences so you know across the board the holistic approach in very simple terms is creativity is not a little subject in its own right it's got to be embedded in a in a very sort of systematic way across everything that we do at school. Yeah, and David, that leads well into my next question. But before I ask that question, I'd like to read a quote from the research that I found really interesting. It says, these results support the notion that creativity as a manifestation of who we are and how we think is general in nature. People who are open, flexible and adept at thinking divergently are best placed to be creative and education systems at all levels should foster those qualities. So then how can education systems and schools foster students' creative capabilities? Yep. Uh, well, in addition to what I, I said about, you know, treating creativity as something that's sort of spread across the curriculum, spread across everything that we do at school, a more concrete way to, to answer that question about you know, fostering these creative capabilities is to think of creativity uh, as a habit. Um, one, one way I like to think of it is that you, know, you don't learn to play the piano by reading a book about playing the piano. You've, you've got to experience playing the piano. And that means you've got to have the opportunity to sit down at a keyboard and actually press on the keys 
And you also then have to, to get feedback and encouragement. And there are three things that when we think of creativity as a habit, there are three things that are necessary that I've just mentioned, opportunity, encouragement, and reward. So as we embed creativity across the curriculum, if we, if we take that concept of creativity as a habit, as a kind of guiding principle, and the need for the opportunity to be creative across different subjects, and then when, when children in the classroom show that they're making use of those opportunities, that they get the encouragement, and when they do things that are actually creative, that they get some kind of recognition and a reward, that's, that's the, the, you know, the essence or it's the first important step in fostering creative capabilities at school. This idea that it's a habit, that it, the kids need opportunity, encouragement and reward, and that it's really the, the job of the teachers to, to sort of guide that and, and create that. And what the teachers do in the classroom themselves, of course, is as important as, as what's in the curriculum. So the teachers are also constantly demonstrating what it looks like for a person to be open to new ideas and flexible and able to think divergently and so on. Yes. And David, I'd like to ask you now about the work that you're currently doing in schools, because I understand that you're working with three schools at the moment, one in Victoria and two in South Australia, to further embed creativity into their programs. Could you tell listeners a little more about this work? Yep. It's, it's interesting. It's spread across different kinds of schools, both in the, the uh, independent sector and in the, the government sector. And really what, what links those schools together is that they're all schools that are, you know, I mean, education in general is, is increasingly recognizing that creativity is something that's important. You know, we've heard about 21st century skills and uh, we've heard about, you know, the, the fact that we want children to be able to thrive in this, this sort of new uh, environment that they'll be moving into when they finish school. Uh, the, the schools that I've been working with particularly, of course, all recognize that like many schools do, but they're, they're making you know, a particular uh, effort to, to find some time in, in what they do, you know, in the curriculum, in the school day, to, to really try to take steps to embed creativity uh, in, in their activities. They're all doing it in different ways, but with the same basic goal of, and I think it, it comes from... Uh, the fact that for some of these schools, at least, they're they're recognizing that when their when their students leave school and go on to things like university and and uh, other forms of further education or or work, that they're not always you know equipped with everything that they need to succeed. And and these schools have been asking themselves, you know, what is it that they're not currently getting at school? that they should be, that will ensure that they go out into the wider world, you know, able to deal with everything that life throws at them. And, uh, and so they've seen that creativity is, is at least one thing that, that's important there. It's, you know, it's important that helps people to solve problems, to deal with ambiguity and uncertainty. And so these schools are taking steps to, to do what I've been describing. But as I said, they, they're doing it in different ways, but really trying to embed this ability to be creative and to solve, to find new and effective solutions to problems and embedding that across everything that they do at the school. 
Yes, and, and creativity is something that I've noticed so many schools are talking about. And I'm aware that we will have people listening to, t- to today's episode that are interested in learning more about how to embed and assess creativity in their own school settings. So drawing on all that we've spoken about today, I'm wondering, David, have you learned any lessons from your work in schools that would be useful to share with those listeners? Yep, the, it's uh, the first, and it's very important to say some other research that I've done in the last couple of years uh, began on the assumption that that teachers don't have a particularly good understanding of creativity. However, uh, in a very large international study with with several thousand teachers from schools in Australia, North America, and Europe, in fact, we we found a very positive picture that that in fact teachers across all subjects and and these different countries do have a good understanding of what creativity means and why it's important and, and do have a, a strong desire to embed creativity in what they're doing. So I think that's that's a very positive lesson, first of all, for creativity researchers like myself, is that that teachers really do have a, a good and a fairly sophisticated understanding of, of what we're talking about. And that's a very good starting point for, for doing what we're trying to do. And, you know, as more schools are, are thinking about this, you know, we're, we're working with teachers who, who, you know, have the motivation, the understanding to do this. So that's a very positive thing. Um, I think the other lesson learned, and, and of course, it's always a challenge, is that teachers are very busy people. And people like me, creativity researchers, I constantly try to remind myself that you know it's it's no good uh, giving people advice and so on if if it doubles their workload and and if you know if it's not practically implementable so so the sort of things that that uh, you know I'm talking about I try to be very conscious and respectful of the fact that the teachers are busy people they've got a very challenging job already but part of that I think is trying to reassure them that I'm not talking about tearing up the curriculum and, and starting again, but it's how can we how can we take these ideas and concepts about creativity and, and just sort of gently embed them in what the teachers are currently doing. So so with minimal changes, it's more a change in in approach and and thinking rather than a change in the curriculum. I think that's that's another very important lesson is that if if this is going to work and if we're all going to achieve these outcomes that, that I think we know we need to achieve, and it's got to be done in a way that's that's doable for teachers, that's practical, and that understands the conditions uh, under which teachers are, are working. So it's got to be, you know, sensible and practical and achievable. Uh, I think, in many ways, those are the most important lessons: is that this will fail uh, if if it's just creativity researchers sort of talking at teachers, but but not giving them practical tools uh, to help them do these things, practical frameworks, and and being respectful of the fact that teachers already have a very crowded curriculum and a busy job. That's all for this episode. If you loved this chat with Professor David Cropley, there are plenty of others just like this one in our archive at teachermagazine.com.au. That's also where you'll find the transcript of this episode and a link to the study we spoke about today if you're interested in learning more about it. And finally, we'd love for you to rate or review the podcast in your podcast app. And subscribe to the channel to ensure new episodes land in your feed as soon as they're available.